You're listening to the Super Talk podcast, produced by the Australian Institute of Superannuation Trustees, shaping profit to member super. Hello, and welcome to Super Talk. My name is Gary West, and I'm the Senior Manager, Media and Communications with AIST. I'm joined by Peter Sheriff, Director of Product Strategy Asia Pacific at Charles River Development, a State Street company. Today, we'll be discussing the changing operating environment for superannuation funds and a shift towards a whole of fund view. As a result of greater internalization of investment activity, funds are now looking to extract more insights from growing volumes of portfolio, market, and reference data generated across their books of investments. So, Peter, welcome. I think a great way to start the discussion today would be to cover what we mean by a whole of fund view perhaps a little background on some of the key drivers behind this shift. Yeah, thanks, Gary. Uh, happy to, to be here and, and thanks for the invite to participate. A great question. I might just sort of start with a, a little bit of the, the background. Over a number of years, obviously, the, the regulatory environment for superannuation has been changing you know, with sort of increased focus on transparency, you know, particularly in with regard to transparency of information provided to the regulators, but also out to the members. And we've also seen sort of a, a real push from the, the regulator, if you like, to um, sort of weed out some of the, the underperforming funds. And that's really sort of led to a number of you know, consolidation plays within the industry, as well as you know, funds growing more organically in, in size and scale as well. And I think it's really that combination, if you like, of, of sort of that change in the, the size and scale of the organisations um, and also that regulatory scrutiny that, that's sort of driving a need in the industry to better understand you know, what the whole of fund looks like. So that sort of really brings us to you know, what that sort of means in the, the industry today, I guess. So when we talk about the, the whole of fund you know, with, our, with our clients and with um, other market participants, what we're really talking about there is you know, at that sort of, I guess, high level you know, legal entity. So for a superannuation fund, that is you know, the entire pool of assets irrespective of the way that's broken down into the, the different member products that, that they offer. So that spans a mixture of the, the internally managed assets, as well as those assets that are managed on their behalf by the externally appointed mandate managers. It incorporates the public market assets. It also incorporates the, the private assets, which is a significant sort of part of the book today. Yeah, and obviously we're sort of seeing increasing allocations to, uh, to, to those sectors as well. So when we talk about the whole of fund, it's really bringing together the public, the private, the internal and the external. So that at any given point in time, a CIO, a COO, the investments team, the investment ops team, really sort of any interested party has a really clear view of the exposures across the fund, across that, that range of assets. And being able to really sort of go down to the level of understanding the individual assets that make up the, the overall fund you know, in its entirety. And then really obviously being able to break that down into those member-facing product levels so you can sort of do that slicing and dicing and the different types of analysis that really drive the investment decision-making side of things. I think sort of, you know, some of the other drivers that we see in terms of what that means from an operating model perspective and, and the shift to really look at the, the whole of fund is that increasing focus, as you touched on previously, Gary, the internalization of some of those investment functions. That really means funds, you know, building up front office investment teams full of portfolio managers, traders, et cetera, in, in many cases for the first time. 
enabling with them expectations of the, the information, the data delivery, the timeliness, the accuracy of, of information that they're looking for. And I suppose, you know, trying to align that to the member interest test, trying to you know, keep costs to, to members low, that often means that these professionals are, are looking for scalable, modular enterprise solutions that are delivered via the cloud and sort of often backed by a, a range of services to really help, I guess, keep those costs low through leveraging the, the scale um, across more commoditized pieces of the investment lifecycle um, and allowing front office professionals to focus on the business of managing money. And ultimately, you know, that's where sort of the internalization piece is sort of taking the funds is you know, looking at how to deliver better returns for members at lower cost. And uh, yeah, that's sort of really so where the, the drive comes for this whole of fund view. The case for diversifying traditional 60-40 portfolios has been widely acknowledged. And we see funds continuing to increase their allocation to private markets investments. What are the benefits of a whole of fund view from an investment management perspective? I think ultimately it comes back to really understanding that, that exposure view, what, what some funds term as being the, the exposure book of record. I don't really want to sort of you know, confuse the book of record conversation. It's enough to talk about eyeballs and eyeballs and seaballs. But really, you know, when we talk about an exposure book of record from, uh, you know, from the point of view of our clients, it's really for, from an investment perspective, understanding what the current exposure of the, the fund is. Where that's done well, I'll say, what we're seeing is that sort of really enhancing the, the timeliness of information to support that investment decision-making viewpoint. So when we really sort of talk about that whole of fund view and the benefits it brings to the investment managers, it has been able to see at the start of day consistently every day um, that you know where the fund exposures sit across public, private, internal, external at that point in time, not at a point in history a few days ago. That means you can more readily identify the exposures and the concentrations across the book. And if you think about some of the the recent occurrences in the market around things like Credit Suisse, Silicon Valley Bank and and others, knowing immediately when the the news broke about some of those challenges, being able to identify immediately the the total amount of exposure you have across the the book to those funds and being able to take decisive action is pretty critical. It also means when you're looking at things like sort of stress testing and doing sort of scenario analysis um, type of work on your, your portfolio, really looking at sort of that exposure to whether it's you know, inflation or again, you know, sort of topical lately, if you like, to uh, you know, the, the interest rate sensitivity across that whole book of assets, including any private credit or private property that you uh, you might be invested in. It really allows you to undertake a, a more meaningful set of uh, stress tests and, and scenario models across that book of assets. Importantly, as, as well, it sort of brings efficiencies across the, um, the operating model to, so you'll be able to see that whole of fun instead of having that sort of you know, siloed approach where you know, different members of the, of the investment team and investor op- operations team are exporting information into Excel spreadsheets, moving it around the business, importing it to, to other systems, potentially have different communication channels for different asset classes, you know, down to custodians and, and other service providers eliminating some of that inefficiency and bringing it onto a, you know, a single whole of fund um, platform. It obviously sort of addresses a number of those sort of operational risk and uh, you know, operational inefficiencies across the, the, the business as well. 
that's really around data management, you know, sort of data governance, being able to bring that information together in a in a way that can present that, that information seamlessly to different parts of the business, um, you know, with an understanding of the different roles they play and the different lenses on which they uh, want to interrogate that data is sort of you know, key, if you like, in being able to deliver those benefits to the investment team and, and equally to the investment ops team. And from there down to uh, to the members as well, because fundamentally, if you have better um, access to the data, you have more confidence in the timeliness and accuracy of that data. It enables you to do you know, sort of much more in terms of that member engagement, which is something that's really important to, uh, to pretty much every fund we speak to today. How do you see funds embracing the change in their data technology stack to ensure that they can meet the ongoing requirements of regulators and their members? Yeah, great question. And I think it's the member piece that comes to the fore, particularly with the profit to member funds. Yeah, obviously everyone is in competition, if you like, for, uh, for, for member flows today. So being able to engage with members, being able to, to get people sort of interested, if you like, in the investments that are in their super, getting them to, I guess, have a, a sense of brand loyalty to the, the fund that they're invested in is, yeah, is important. Being able to provide more information in a user-friendly and I'll, I'll say importantly, increasingly mobile way is important to members, particularly those younger members that are obviously going to be the, the future of the inflows into to these funds. So for members, it's about being able to sort of really understand you know, where their money is invested, you know, whether it aligns to, to their own sort of you know, personal beliefs and value systems. So being able to provide that information out to, to members you know, is going to be critical to funds that are really looking to, to get their members engaged actively with their, their funds yeah. and create that sort of sense of, of loyalty. On the regulatory side of things, you know, I sort of touched on this earlier, it's very much about increasing transparency. The, the latest push um, you know, has been really around some of those, those private assets and you know, having better visibility, better granularity, and better understanding of the valuation of a, of a private asset you know, and the exposure to, to those you know, in particular. But even before that, we sort of look at um, you know, some of the, the, the portfolio holdings disclosure requirements and that you know, sort of needs to be able to go down to the, the individual asset level, regardless of who the, the manager of the the underlying sort of assets are, yeah, that that drive really is only sort of you know, continuing, if you like, to provide you know, increasing amounts of, of transparency and, and visibility at that most granular level to support the regulatory side of, of things. And you know, as we sort of um, you know, push through more of the, um, the you know, performance tests and you know, sort of other stress testing type of, of requirements that the, the regulator is you know, increasingly demanding of, of trustees and of, of funds, Again, you know what that really drives is a need for a timely, accurate, granular source of truth across that universe of investment data, so that pretty much no matter what the the regulator comes up with next in in terms of reporting requirements, um, in terms of those you know, transparency needs, that that can be you know, more readily satisfied than has been in the past with the with the siloed systems, and I think sort of you know when we speak to uh, participants in the industry today, all of them really are looking for solutions that provide them with you know, well-managed, well-governed data um, across whether it is the securities, the positions, the ESG information. So regardless of whether it's internally or managed assets, that is what they're pushing us to, to deliver to them. And every conversation we, we have effectively comes back to, to that need for um, you know, data solutions and particularly well-governed, well-managed data solutions that are provided in a cost-effective 
manner to benefit the funds and uh, especially the members. The timeliness, accuracy and granularity of data has been a key theme of this conversation. What are some of the considerations that funds should have in mind as they work towards getting their data management fit for the future? Yeah, I think in some ways this is uh, sort of a, a, an easy one to, to answer, if you like. So I think everybody in, in the industry is really saying the, the, the same thing, which is having access to that information without having to necessarily employ large numbers of you know, data or investment operations professionals who are at a premium in this market is critical. Pretty much everyone we sort of speak to is, is really looking to, to work with sort of smaller numbers of you know, increasingly strategic partners in terms of delivering solutions that are fit for purpose for regulatory requirements, for, for member needs. But as that internalization continues to gather pace, as funds start to increasingly look for more investment opportunities internationally, and as they increasingly, again, move more into the, the private asset space, having somebody take, I guess, the, the, the legwork out of collating the information from those multiple different sources, you know, aggregating it and normalizing it into you know, an easily manageable, easily sort of queryable data set to provide information and insights to the, to the different teams and making sure that data is you know, delivered consistently and accurate and, and timely fashion. Yeah, that's really every conversation that we that we sort of have with funds today is you know, how can we as a technology and service provider help them achieve those goals with a, you know, a low footprint of internal staff. So when we sort of talk about the considerations that sort of funds should, should have around data management, part of it is obviously around you know, what are the, the technology solutions? You know, what does the, the software side of things look like? How does that software provide scalability? How does it provide sort of future proofing in terms of understanding your know, public and, and private market assets? How can we sort of bring that information you know, more readily to the fingertips of non-technical users, reducing you know, what we sort of refer to as the time to insight from all of that, that information? But also it's about how much of the, the workload can we take on from a servicing perspective? You know, so there are, there are obviously bits of information that are going to be you know, sensitive to the fund or bits of information that they may consider to be proprietary. But in reality, there's not really a whole lot that, you know, proprietary, if you like, in terms of coming up with a view of what a security master looks like in terms of its issuer or its price, or perhaps some of its sort of ESG metrics if you've decided to, to go down the path of using a, a particular provider. So that more sort of, you know, commoditized, more standardized information, if you like, the consideration then is, you know, what can your service providers really do in, in terms of helping manage that, that sort of more commoditized data for you um, yeah, in a very sort of well-governed, scalable way that allows you know, funds of any size to, uh, to realize the benefits of scale of a, of a significantly larger organization that they're partnered with, but also that that service layer has enough flexibility to allow you know, as much hands-on usage or as much sort of, you know, as many touch points as the investment teams would like as well. So one of the other considerations you know, that we think is important and our clients are telling us is, is important it is really sort of operating on more of a, a shared technology platform basis. Um, again, that eliminates the friction of moving information around that reduces operational overhead and, and operational risk. It means that clients aren't having to sort of reconcile data as it moves around between service provider platforms and their, their own internal platforms because that's you know, one and the, the same thing. 
It also provides a, a lot of transparency and traceability around the, the information. So I sort of use the term, you know, defensible um, sort of data earlier. And, and, and what I really mean by that is you know, if an auditor, a regulator, or somebody internally comes and challenges a particular piece of information, wants to understand how that information has sort of been arrived at, being able to immediately sort of you know, access the system and understand where that piece of information came from, how it's been transformed, what governance and quality checks that has been through to arrive at that sort of final result. I mean, able to see that immediately on the platform on, on which that information has been managed, governed and you know, published to, to the consumer is obviously significantly sort of more um, effective and efficient than having to work out what you did with that information internally, you know, which service provider it came from, and then go and work with the service provider for them to sort of give you the, the lineage or the history of that piece of information throughout their processing chain. So we really see that sort of you know, co-sourced or um, you know, sort of shared technology platform as you know, being increasingly important and delivering increasing sort of benefit to the, the in-house data teams and the in-house investment teams. Bringing it back to the whole of fund view, what should funds be thinking about in terms of incorporating better liquidity management, risk modelling and portfolio management into their technology infrastructure? Another great question there, Gary. I think the things that sort of we're really seeing is as demands from, again, regulators, members and internal investment teams really increase, what we're seeing is there's a, a lot of information you know, at the portfolio level, and the market level, reference data, third party sources around sort of ESG information that gets incorporated and aggregated with that um, you know, exposure information we were sort of talking about earlier. Really, I guess, you know, again, we sort of go back to events of, of sort of recent history, if you like. During the, the pandemic, we saw there was that um, yeah, early release of funds that was made possible without a, a meaningful exposure book of record view, without a view of the, the, the cash flows in, into and out of the fund. It becomes very hard to manage those unexpected liquidity events that may impact a fund. And equally, as we start to, to look at the, the next set of stress scenario type of requirements, being able to understand you know, both the, the macroeconomic exposures and, and sort of risk points, whether that be to oil, for example, or whether that be to carbon factors, are the types of questions that we see sort of funds asking themselves you know, around that whole of fund management. And a lot of that is really being driven, I guess, by the need to start to, to look at how best to generate incremental alpha you know, across the fund in a world where the performance tests are really driven by the strategic asset allocation of the fund and where those are targeted to you know, specific government mandated benchmarks for the, each of the different asset classes. So what we really see with some of the, I guess, the more sophisticated funds is they're looking at ways that within that asset allocation framework that's sort of mandated from a performance test perspective, they're looking to be able to identify opportunities that provide you know, the right level of return, the right level of reward, without creating levels of risk concentration that you know, maybe sort of don't align to, to the appetite of the fund. So I suppose doing more with the, with the risk budgeting in terms of the, the alpha generation within the fund. To be able to do that, it, it's really important, again, to be able to have access to that accurate and timely data. So coming back once again to that, that exposure book of record being critical, but being able to overlay that with, you know, sort of that, you know, sort of complex risk factor model data um, with that sort of, you know, ESG data so that, you know, at any point in time, anywhere through the day, portfolio managers, um, investment teams, heads of asset allocation, CIOs, 
Yeah, understand exactly where the fund is positioned in near real time so that as and when an investment opportunity is sort of brought to their attention, you know, be that by one of those external managers operating in the vein of a strategic partner or whether it be from one of the, the internal investment teams, the investment committee can you know, very quickly model out what the change to the portfolio to the fund would look like by taking on that that asset, you know, both in terms of the exposure view at that sort of asset class level, but also being able to understand what that means in terms of you know the the factor based risk that it's bringing on, so that um, yeah the fund is better positioned to you know, ride out um, you know some of those stressed market scenarios, and I think the the last piece of that, and again sort of bringing it back to that sort of you know, whole of fund theme, is ensuring that that solution spans both the the public and the the private assets. Historically, there have been solutions that have been you know, very good at sort of you know, managing some of the, the risk and some of the liquidity you know, on the, the public markets side of things. But the private markets has been sort of, you know, relatively opaque and sort of hard to incorporate you know, into, uh, into the whole. So increasingly, as we sort of look at how the funds are um, taking that sort of whole of fund investment type of, of approach, the model simply has to span the, the public and private. It needs to understand you know, the, the liquidity profile, the cash flow expectations of the private assets in the same way that it does the, the public assets. And it needs to be able to map those private assets onto a set of well-understood risk factors so that the fund can be viewed and, and modelled holistically. So I think yeah, as we sort of move forward over the next few years, we're going to see increasing demand from the funds for a true whole of fund public to, to private internal and external view of the the exposure of the the fund incorporating all of those you know more advanced analytics that are important to the investment decision making process peter one more final question if i may how far along the journey to achieving a whole of fund view do you think australian super funds are i have to say that probably not as far along as they would like you know, we, we've had a number of conversations over, over recent years telling us that there has been a challenge in the industry to understand that exposure view at the current point in time. And I sort of touched before on the idea that you know, historically service providers you know, have sort of been challenged in, in providing information you know, that's more up to date than a couple of days old. And that's really driven by the, the cycles of you know, investment and fund accounting needs striking formal unit prices that are used for unit price performance you know, out to, to members and, and, and regulators. And that's obviously a critically important part of the, the, the process where I guess, you know, we, we've sort of been able to, to take the industry and, and working with, you know, both some, some sort of large overseas pension funds, but, but also with some of the pension funds, um, you know, superannuation funds here in Australia through that combination of technology and services and that, that sort of shared technology platform approach that I mentioned earlier, we have been able to deliver to clients a true start of day exposure for the, the fund across the public, the private, and the, the internally and externally managed assets. So from an industry perspective, you know, we believe that that is a, a problem that A, is solvable, and that, that B, that, that we have solved. And I think now, you know, what we're sort of seeing is that um, increasingly the, the larger, more sophisticated funds are, are looking for those types of, of, of solutions. So the industry, as I say, is, is, you know, has now managed to, to solve for that problem. 
and we, you know, we sort of expect to see that the funds will move in that direction increasingly over the you know, to the next couple of years. Um, yeah, now they can see the solution is, um, I'll say, is is real, as opposed to a technology vendor talking about a roadmap. That's all for this episode of Super Talk. Thanks to Peter Sheriff from Charles River Development. For more episodes of Super Talk and for more information on the work of the Australian Institute of Superannuation Trustees, visit our website at aist.asn.au. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. 